Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Oh, why, hello, I did not see you there. How are you doing today? Well, while you're in the room, today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Andrew, why don't you tell folks what Patreon is and who's supporting us on Patreon? Well, our Patreon is a place where you can go to support us financially if you'd like and receive some extra content. We do after parties after most of our episodes. We do uh, commentaries every once in a while. Uh, Quite often, actually, recently. We're going to be putting out a lot more. Uh, Right now, we have a... Uh, Jan- January going on, or, or we just recently finished up with January? <laughs> no, um, it's we still got another week left of January. <laughs> oh, one more week left of January, when we just have January. a lot of commentaries. January. Yeah. I, I don't. Our current patrons who are supporting us right <laughs> now are Stephanie L, Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lehrer, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie Horner, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, Melissa Goldman, Just Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Teskier, Colin McLeod, Fire of September, Mina Maniri, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Alice in Wonderland, Sean O'Neill, B-Way Flicks, Mikhail Joan, uh, Nathaniel Stacy Coombe, and Joseph Evans Green. Wow, that's a lot of people and they're all giving us money? Uh, they're all supporting us and getting extra content for it. Wow, we're such sellouts. Thank you, guys. We love you. Um, also, you guys should join us in because these folks give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you would like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early, or even earlier, the after parties, so much cool shit, come join us over at Patreon. All right, Andrew, do you think we should start this show? I think we should start this shit up. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. How are you doing today, Mr. Andrew DeWolf? Well, you know, just another day sleeping my way up the ladder, you know, getting up the, getting up there. Oh, really? Who'd you have today? Oh, Donald Trump. Oh, did, did you spank him with a copy of Time with his face on it? You think he'd like that? I mean, that's the story of him and Stormy Daniels. Apparently she did that. And apparently his penis looks like um, Toad from the Mario games. That's orange. Like, 
This is all her description. I, 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 I'm willing to believe it, but also, you know. You know, I if do Her name's it. Stormy. How much can you trust that? You can't really trust that, because when I hear Stormy Daniels, I'm picturing, like, a country music singer that is drugged out and a loser. I, I imagine a sexy weatherman. Hi, I'm Stormy Daniels, and we've got eight inches coming for you. Bow, chicka, chicka, wow! All right, well, what are we talking about today? I think we've completely lost track. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this week, we are talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's A Vita. Vita is a musical with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber and lyrics and book by Tim Rice. It concentrates on the life of Argentine political leader Eva Perón, the second wife of Argentine president Juan Perón. The story follows Evita's early life, rise to power, charity work, and eventual death. The musical began as, an, uh, as a rock opera concept album released in 1976. Its success led to productions in London's West End in 1978, winning the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Musical, and on a Broadway a year later, where it has been the first British musical to receive the Tony Award for Best Musical. And it wasn't the last, because Andrew Lloyd Webber still had more to say. This has been followed by a string of professional tours and worldwide productions and numerous cast albums, as well as a 1996 film adaptation of the musical. The musical was revived in London in 2006 and on Broadway in 2012. It toured the UK again in 2013 to 2014 before running for 55 West End performances at the Dominion Theatre in September to October of 2014. Andrew, what is your opinion of Evita? Um... Well, it's it's certainly uh, in the in the Weberverse, that's for sure. <laughs> what makes something in the Weberverse? Because I for I feel like we've jumped over all over the place for the Weberverse. Please explain it to the uninitiated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of Andrew Wood, Lloyd Webber's musicals take place in the same universe. It's like the uh, it's like the MCU, but it's uh, it's the Weberverse. And uh, so this is in the same universe as uh, Cats, as Phantom of the Opera. You know, all, all those great classics. Um, their Bible has Jesus Christ Superstar in it. I mean, it's just, that's, this is how it works. All right, all right. And how does this fit in there? Um, well, this is just uh, an incidental story from Argentina. There's no cats in it, so it fits, it fits yes, your premise. as long as there's no cats in the musical, <laughs> it fits the premise. Um, we're really gonna hit some bumpy road with the Weberverse as soon as we do Starlight Express. You know, the one about, like, anthropomorphized trains on roller skates. What now? What did you say? <laughs> I'm sorry, I must have had something in my ears. Uh, what did you say? <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote a musical where humans 
wear roller skates and skate around the stage called Starlight Express, where they're supposed to be like live living trains. It's gonna be kind of like Pixar, I think. You know how people have the <laughs> Pixar theory where the cars are after everyone dies. In in the Weberverse, everyone becomes trains. I mean, I, I it tracks. I'm just glad that there is a Thomas the Tank Engine musical out there, you know? And Andrew Lloyd Webber was so into that show, he got behind it. You ain't wrong. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber probably plays Sir Topham Hatt himself on stage. <laughs> is George Carlin get a cameo in this? I hope so. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get, uh, I'll get Alec Baldwin in there, you know. Get the <laughs> I whole forgot crew. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he did a thing. Get the whole crew in there for Thomas the Tank Engine by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, yeah. So, Avita, like, honestly, aside from it being in the Webberverse, what is your initial opinion? Because you watched both the original musical and the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the music is very good, and the storytelling is very good. Um, and I feel like, as a historical piece, there's a bit to be a bit to be wanted but if you're just looking at it as a musical and as uh, a story and as a story it's very very good okay now you did some research on your own and you found a lot of historical inaccuracies and biases that bother you (laughs) well yeah i mean i'm not i'm not gonna defend the perones because i think they probably were awful (laughs) I mean, they saved Nazis, and Peronism is basically the worst parts of communism, socialism, and Marxism. Yeah, so the Perones themselves are awful, but I think when you're telling a historical piece, it's best to try to maintain a, a level of neutral Objectivism? Objectivism and, and being neutral, and when you have a narrator who is literally just shitting on your main character the entire show... It maybe isn't the best way to maintain that objectivism. <laughs> well, the point is they were trying to get like this idea of someone on the ground, like the everyman getting their opinion of the elite of Perones. I suppose, but uh, he isn't the only everyman because obviously a lot of people liked them since he's like in crowds of people that are chanting their name, you know? <laughs> so. Well, it's kind of, it's a weird, it is a weird thing that Avita used in real life that because she had her her people who the, the descamisatos who were the poor the 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 podunk like people that were like I'm gonna get you jobs we're gonna bring back the oil like she mm-hmm. was the original Trump promising all these things except unlike Trump she actually worked her way to the top so to say yes well, I mean, so she's so really did, so more did like Trump. Meghan I mean, Markle. Trump only started with a small loan of a million dollars. I mean, he... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. How, how did he survive? <laughs> but he, she was playing to the lower crest of lower crest of a crowd. A lot of fascists know... do that too. Like the fascist movements are usually uh, they disguise themselves as like a ground up movement and like feed on the poor and uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it it is it is biased. It is un- unbelievably biased. <laughs> yeah. But 
You also have Andrew Lloyd Webber that thinks she's terrible and Tim Rice that thinks she's sympathetic and they somehow meet in the middle and you do feel the sympathetic lean, especially in the movie adaptation. I would just have preferred if they kept it. Honestly, I would have just liked the story about her and just drop the Shay character and just, I mean, let the audience decide. I mean, she's obviously doing some pretty bad stuff. So I think the audience would generally get the idea that, yeah, this isn't a great person. But I actually get you actually get the real story rather than, oh, here's a bunch of biased stuff and like, oh, her charity work was awful because, you know, I said so, I guess. And, you know, just taking rumors as well as facts, like the thing with um, the musician taking her when in reality it wasn't that wasn't the case and just all, all that sort of thing. But let's not place all the blame of the non-objective views um, on the two composers. I mean... Yeah, they probably could have done a little more research than they did, but they based the story. I'm just giving it a one star. They didn't. didn't Mary Main's biography of Avita, the Woman in the Whip, which drew heavily upon the accounts of anti-Peronist Argentinians. Um, But basically, people were like, "No, that was kind of that was a very biased book." So, I think we should give this show one star because honestly, they didn't research this show enough. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber just I mean I love musicals but like he didn't research this and it's it's obvious unlistenable and I the worst of musical theater and I like musicals <laughs> I'm no but honestly it's very easy to move past all of that though because a lot of the score is fantastic and I mean if you're not like some sort of history buff you're not going to be that you're not going to be that upset that they're uh, slandering, quote unquote, uh, Eva Perone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I this is my favorite Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Like, I think this is tied up there with Jesus Christ Superstar. Like, occasionally they switch places, but mo- they're neck and neck. The music and is everything very else similar. is just so much lower. The music is very similar to Jesus Christ Superstar. This has that kind of like prog rock sort of rock guitar in a lot of places. I like that they add like that uh, Spanish flair a lot of times mm-hmm. too. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was this. This was their third show, or it's our their second like intended show. Whereas Joseph was a commissioned show, so they wrote Jesus Christ Superstar. That was a huge hit. So they went on to do this, which is basically the same story if you think about it. Like, down to its bare bones. You have a messiah of a character that dies at 33, and people praise them as a saint afterwards. And you have someone that's critical of him throughout it. That's true. It's basically the same story. They set it up almost the same. They give it a bit more of a Spanish flair, and this is a much more uh, historical basis rather than a biblical basis. Um, But, yeah, it is a very similar setup to the story. The music is very similar. Um, But it's very good. And, and another thing that's cool about this show is the movie adaptation's actually uh, pretty decent as well. It is the only good <laughs> film adaptation of an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Um, well, you could say that up until 2019 uh, when Cats <laughs> came out, and then now, of course, there is a second one. <laughs> <laughs> I know people are out there, like, I know you're selling, you're saying a joke here with the Cats thing. But <laughs> yes, but there are people that probably would defend the uh, Phantom of the Opera one. No, no one fucking likes the Phantom of the Opera movie. Really, nobody um, likes it. 
Nobody likes that. Um, but the one pre- people do like, and I like, but I'm not sure it's as representative of the show, is Jesus Christ Superstar. I think on its own, that's a fine movie, but it is so drenched in 70s nonsense that it kind of, it's hard to take as an actual film Yo, anymore. but like Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat with, uh, <laughs> with what's his name? I mean, uh, fucking <laughs> Donny Osmond. Osmond. Come on, that was classic. <laughs> no, no, this is the best adaptation of an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical to film. Yeah, but the only good one? I don't know about that. I mean, I, I do think it's the only good one. Okay. It could definitely be better as well. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it, as far as quality goes, you've got a gradient, and this is the furthest end of the green gradient. That's true. You have you have this, then Jesus Christ Superstar, then Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoats, way above both of these, and then <laughs> at the very bottom, you have Cats. <laughs> and Phantom of the Opera. Oh, and Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Phantom of the Opera is above Cats, let's be real. I mean, I don't know. Cats, I'd rather watch Cats. cats I've is, seen Cats twice in theater, so... I mean, I have, like, a, a movie rating scale that's like a horseshoe, where it's like, the worse it gets, the better, the more watchable it becomes. So you have things like Cats over on one side, and then, like, right in the middle is the worst place to be, and that's where, like, Phantom of the Opera would be. I mean, okay. Like, cats, cats is worse, but it's more fun to watch because it's so bad. Oh, can I just throw something out there that I'm discovering at this moment that makes me want to fucking vomit? Oh, God, what is it? Do you know what Andrew Lloyd Webber's next musical is? Thomas the Tank Engine 2? No, Cinderella. Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. We needed another one, right? She's going to get some big number. And, like, what does Cinderella get a big number about? Because you can't... You ha- She's going to write, like, a Don't Cry For Me Argentina or a, or a Memory or something like that. She's He's going to write that for this... Show. But Andrew Lloyd Webber has spent the latter half of his career basically writing up a bunch of rewriting old stories. Like, he did The Wizard of Oz Broadway show, or musical, and he added about four new songs and then called it Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Musical, the, the Wizard of Oz. Of course he did. Of course he did. Or School of Rock, which is just like the movie School of Rock, and he wrote a couple songs. I don't even understand. Why would you make a School of Rock musical? The movie's fine, but, like, it's not even that good. It's, like, it's okay. I like the movie okay. It's fun to watch. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) But, like, why? (laughs) I mean, it's got some... It's not a terrible musical. It is his most good musical since Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. And, yeah, that that sounds like a backhanded compliment, and that's because it is. (laughs) Yeah, quite, quite a bit. All right, let's get back on track here. Evita... What's, what is your favorite parts of Evita? Okay, let me compliment Angeloid Weber before I tear him down because, you know, I love that so much. Um, you know how I've always said to you, and you basically agreed with me, Angeloid Weber doesn't really write a musical. He writes five songs, then repeats them over and over again until he, and it becomes a musical eventually. Yeah, and I mean, to a certain extent, that's almost fine. Because, like, pretty good ones do that, too. Like, like Les Mis repeats a lot of songs. Les Mis repeats with a point, and I th- I'm i going to make the argument the Phantom doesn't repeat with a point, but Evita does. When the repetition and the songs are reintroduced, it's there for a reason. When I'd Be Surprisingly Good For You comes up, that is basically Perone and Ava's theme. Yes. And when 
it's especially effective when Che and Evita are like sharing the same number, very much like how Don't Cry For Me Argentina and Oh What A Circus are the same number, but very different feels, very different messages, just showing that they're two, they're on the same track going in two different directions. Yeah, well, because like Oh What A Circus is basically Shay's big uh, political number or whatever it is against mm-hmm. her, and then I'll, Don't Cry For Me Argentina is, is her big political number for herself of mm-hmm. course so all right um I, i'm gonna talk about don't cry for me argentina not really as a song but as a political message and what it is as a tool in the musical sure right now go for it so i've actually read andrew lloyd weber's biography because you know i i i love pain and <laughs> It's Man, you really hate this guy, don't you? <laughs> I don't. I don't really even hate him that much. I think he's done some terrible things to people, which kind of sucks. But I don't hate him. <laughs> you will once you uh, get to know him. <laughs> That's basically it. He he wrote a one-hit wonder song, um, like kind of like a dancey disco version of itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini and it is the worst thing i've ever heard that's just unrelated i'm gonna play it here right now just so you guys can deal with that before i talk about don't cry for me argentina man we just gotta fill this with all these negative things even though this is actually a good show (laughs) (laughs) we just can't compliment the guy (laughs) no 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 but don't cry for me argentina he wrote it with the same idea he did had as um, Judy Garland with Over the Rainbow. So that was her swan song. Like that was that was an embodiment of her. When she sang it, she, an audience lit up and everyone agreed with her. And then when she's in London in her final days and she's just full of drugs, barely walking, and she just goes on stage again and she sings this song that she's known for that is her song and instead of building her up with every word it is destroying her and tearing her down and he had Andrew Lloyd Webber saw this live and had seen nothing like it it was right before she died and he said he had only ever seen it once after that and that was with Amy Winehouse shortly before she died and I'm like that is a very very intelligent way to look at this scene from a man i did not expect to have that much nuance with writing with storytelling writing i don't believe andrew lloyd weber cares about storytelling anymore honestly well he's gotten to a point where he probably has so much success and probably enough money to live on so (laughs) i mean fair yes so it's like at a certain point it's like why even bother caring anymore you know just like (laughs) Whatever. <laughs> this was, I believe, this was his last musical before he did Cats. Um, no, no, that is incorrect. He did Tell Me on a Sunday, a musical that nobody knows or care about, in between Cats and this. It's still probably better than Cats, but I mean, th- throw a fucking rock, you'll hit a musical better than. Cats. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> what? Yikes. Am I wrong? You're probably not wrong. <laughs> In, in all comes right. all the people that love cats. <laughs> How could you talk about Rum Tum Tugger that way? Oh my god. Let me preface this. Cats is my favorite musical ever. <laughs> <laughs> so hearing you guys tear it apart really hurt me personally as a human being. <laughs> Just picture they're behind their computer screens dressed in all the cats makeup and... <laughs> No, it is literally um, Rumpel Teaser and Mungo Jerry themselves. 
great. All right. Do you want to go positive for a bit more? Like, Absolutely. What else do you have to say? Um. Well, I mean, positive-wise, the the main positive things is a very coherent story that tells. Oh, great. That's that's so. That's like the most minimum positivity you can give it, though. No, and in the score is very good. Like almost every song is actually at least very fun to listen to. None of them are hateable, I wouldn't say. I might disagree with you. I think the lyrics in this musical are really bad. Okay, well, lyrics and score are different, so... that I know. This is like reverse Jesus Christ Superstar, where I think the score of Jesus Christ Superstar is just... It's good. It's good, but not great, where I think the lyrics are really shiny in Superstar. I think the lyrics here are really bad, where Andrew Lloyd Webber just finally gets to shine. So you, you think, uh, what's his name, Tim Rice dropped the ball? I do. I, I. It has some really god-awful lyrics in here. Yeah. Is it... You talking about the fact that some of them are just so crude? She... Tim Rice writes some really cringy lyrics, especially in the original... Uh, original album, which I believe was in the Waltz for Che and Ava, the line, Why go bananas chasing nirvanas? <laughs> What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. And I'm sure that makes sense. That makes sense to somebody. <laughs> and in the original um, concept album, um, Che was much more obviously Che Guevara, and he's like mostly complaining about his insecticides that won't get approved by the Peronian government, because <laughs> that was the big thing that uh, Che Guevara was really big into. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of glad they made it not so obviously Che Guevara, because he's a much more controversial figure than literally a fictional character. <laughs> and that was a big Hal Prince request early on, was like, I want it to be Che Guevara. Like, we're not going to call him Che Guevara, but we're we're basically going to make him look like it and all that. Man, I just, I love Che Guevara, though, because I can go down to Hot Topic and buy his t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're basically buying a Vita merchandise. Yeah. And on top of that, he's a Marxist, so he would really disapprove of that. It's like having Andrew <laughs> Jackson on a dollar bill. <laughs> a $20 bill. Oh, man. Andrew Jackson hated the hated the concept of paper money, and I love that they stuck him on the $20 bill. Because <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. That is honestly one of the only reasons why I'm still kind of like the fact that he's on the 20. No, people, Even are, we people are like, he's a terrible person. On there. He's a terrible person. We got to take him off the money. It's like, dude, he wouldn't want to be on the money. Don't take him off. <laughs> <laughs> It's like slapping him in the face every time you spend twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can see the aftershocks of Evita still in musical theater today. Like Hamilton would not exist without the political ramifications of Evita and the way that this is structured. This is such an important musical. Like without with all of our complaints, this is history making and one of the most important musicals in like the twentieth century. Let's go into a Mitchell announcement. Yippee Kaye! Motherfuckers! <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense that that's his catchphrase now. It bothers me. What? That that's the diehard guy's catchphrase? Yeah, because it was said as a joke in the first one because he calls him John Wayne. Yeah. And now he just kind of says that randomly in the other movies. Uh, it's because in the other movies, it's just nostalgia bait. It's like, remember when he said this? 
Remember that? <laughs> it's like when Han Solo always says, I know, in response to things. They've done that every time Han Solo has appeared in a Star Wars thing. Yeah, it's like that wasn't even... Like, that was just in reference to that one thing. That wasn't, like, his catchphrase. <laughs> That's just what he said that one time. <laughs> While we're talking about Star Wars, why don't we talk about our wonderful patrons? Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Our current patrons are Stephanie L., Terry Muehlman, Max Lunig, Benjamin, Benjamin Lehrer, Lily Ackles, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Horner. Horner, John Donna, Terry the, the Duck, Duck, Melissa Goldman, Jess Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Caskier, Callum McLeod, Fire of September, Mia Mariri, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Allison Wonderland, Sam O'Neill, Broadway Flicks, Michael Johan, Nathaniel Stacy Cobb, Joseph Evans, Kane! They give us a little that was some, that was some Jesus Christ Superstar shit right there. With cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early, or even earlier, come join them at Patreon. Andrew, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this all up and get back to the show? Let's get back to the show. Ha ha ha, great <laughs> idea, old show. <laughs> what a circus, what a show. Argentina has gone to town Over the death of an actress called Eva Perón We've all gone crazy Morning all day and morning all night Falling over ourselves to get all of the misery right What an exit, that's how to go When they're ringing your curtain down Demand to be buried like Ava Perón It's quite a sunset And good for the country in a roundabout way We've made the front page of all The world's papers today But who is this Santa Evita? Why all this howling hysterical sorrow? What kind of goddess has lived among us? How will we ever get by without her? She All right, what do you think of the Requiem for Evita slash Oh, What a Circus? I think this is one of the greatest opening like scenes in musical theater, so I want your thoughts. I think Requiem for Evita has a really great tone to it. Mm-hmm. Just like a very big, like epic, but kind of ominous tone, if you know what I'm saying. I think it's just genius to start with a funeral for a musical. Like yes. that is a le- coming from like forget your troubles, come on, get happy from like the olden days. Like to that, it is groundbreaking, and you kind of feel it even in like modern productions. Like ooh, ooh, I just hate that they spoil the fact that she dies. No, I think that's brilliant. Though <laughs> <laughs> I know you're joking, but I think that's fucking brilliant. Oh, what a circus is. I mean, it's a good introduction to one of the what will be one of the main themes of the show, as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a good, it's a good introduction to the Shea character. While I don't love his mm. purpose in the show necessarily, you do have to introduce him, and it's a good introduction. <laughs> and I feel like that's where he's like at his tamest. He's like, "This is my thesis, and this is where I stand among the other people." Like. I don't like her, but I have reasons. It's not just because fuck that bitch. It's because, like, she, like she didn't. What did she do? Um, she was a saint. Come on, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. 
She's just an actress that like made the right friends. And uh, who is anyone else, really? Like, she didn't say much, but she said it loud is probably, like, one of the more accurate descriptions of Ava Perone. Like, what did she really have to say? I mean, that could be a mantra. That could could be a mantra for every politician to ever live. That could be the mantra for every politician to ever live, though. They didn't say much, but they said it loud. Like, there are some quotes in there that is, like, really backhanded. Like, you let down your people of Vita. You were supposed to be a, to, to have been immortal. That's all they wanted and not much asked for, but in the end, you could not deliver. Like, especially put up against that melody being the Don't Cry For Me Argentina. Like, you let down your people of Vita. You're supposed to have been immortal. The truth is I never left you. Like, the line about being immortal is coinciding with the line of never leaving you it is so good and i wish tim rice had brought this good of lyric writing to any other song in the show well i think he did try to i mean yeah i'm sure he tried to this was like his baby but i didn't succeed in my opinion on this night of a thousand stars let me take you to heaven's door Where the music of love's guitars Plays forevermore In the All right, what's next? I know you have things to say about um, On This Night of a Thousand Stars. Yeah, I just like this song. It's, it has literally nothing, like, no relevance to the story, I don't think. Unless I'm missing, like, an interpretation that I should be making. Um... I just think it's a fun song. <laughs> I was very curious because you're like, my favorite song is on this night of a thousand stars. I'm like, are you an idiot? It's not my favorite song. I just like it. It's good. Is it just because it like is catchy or it sounds nice? Like, what is it? It just sounds nice. All right. I always thought it was kind of a goofy pastiche song. It is, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goofy pastiche songs. Isn't that Andrew Lloyd Webber's thing? <laughs> I mean, if you're only going by Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, yeah, or Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) Phantom of the Opera has two songs, and then everything else is like, here's a Mozart song, and here's a song that sounds like this other composer. And (laughs) I can't wait to do School of Rock with you. Oh boy, does he like? He's like, here's a Pink Floyd song, and uh, here's a song that sounds kind of like Guns N' Roses. (laughs) Basically, is the funny thing. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, like a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber's music rarely gets stuck in my head, except for maybe like da 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 da, da like from Jesus Christ Superstar. Good night and thank you, whoever. She's in every magazine, been photographed, seen, she is known. We don't like to rush, but your case has been packed. If we've missed anything, you could give us a ring, but we don't always answer the phone. But it's sad when a love affair dies But when we were hot, we were hot I know you look back on the good times we've shared But they will not There is no one, no one at all Never has been, never will be a lover Male or female Who hasn't an eye on a family reliance Drinks they can try on their partner 
Okay, what's the next song? I want to talk about Good Night and Thank You. Yeah, this is a pretty fun one. I'm curious of your opinion of the context of it. Uh, in by that it's just her sleeping her way up the ladder? Yes, because it's framed differently in the musical than it is in the movie. And I don't mean to jump the gun to the movie's changes, which, spoiler alert, I don't exactly disagree with. But how did you frame it for you that first time around? Like, was it like, oh, this bitch, or like, oh, that's a smart idea? Um, I mean, it's not unheard of for, for you know, people to think women are sleeping their way up something. Uh, you know, sleeping with the boss to get a promotion or whatever, which honestly is not a not really a good idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd do it if I was a woman. I don't think it would work, is the thing. <laughs> Why? Because I'm ugly? You don't think I'm pretty enough to see my way to the top? Well, for you, yes. But I mean, in general, I feel like that wouldn't work. Because but... <laughs> you'd get this reputation as someone who does that, and then people would look down on you. I mean, it depends. Do you have the job at the end of the day? I don't know. And, and the other thing, the only thing I have about this song, is, and I couldn't really find any confirmation, is this actually true? Did she do this? It's a rumor. At best, because is kind of the way it sits. Because if that is, if it's not really a confirmed thing, is this is this straight up slander? <laughs> I mean, you can't slander someone who's dead. That's true. And That's why that leaving Neverland or finding what what is the Michael Jackson documentary? I think it's like Finding Neverland or something. like no, that. No, Finding Neverland is the musical and the Johnny Depp film. I think it's Leaving Neverland. Okay. Um, like they can't not... sue for that because he's dead. So even though it's all unconfirmed, all unconfirmed rumors, I'm willing can't. to believe that that should happen. But the family is pissed they can't sue because Michael's dead. You can't sue the estate. Well, the estate isn't the person. They're not. They're not. They're yeah. not accusing a person. They're not accusing an estate. They're accusing a person. And the person's dead, so it doesn't matter. Yes. It's I, weird. It's a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, I think my only real complaint with this song is just that it's it's kind of. It's very rumor, and it's it's probably the most slanderous part of the whole thing. It's like, oh, well, they not only did she do nothing, she just slept her way to the top. Which is like, you saying that about a woman is kind of like a, a really kind of sexist thing to say as well. Um, yes. So, especially the fact that it's unconfirmed, that doesn't really sit right with me. But the song is fun, and I like the concept. I just wish it was more, you know, there was more confirmation that it was real. <laughs> I, I agree with that, and I kind of like that she's taking agency in her sleeping to the top, which is the only reason why I disagree about it being sexist, so to say. Because she has the power in all Well, of I this. think it's a sexist stereotype. Like, any woman who has power, well, they must have just slept their way up there. That's the only way they could have done that. But she's not conniving. She's not mean to any of them. She's like... Oh, but it's sad when I love a fair time. Like, it's pandering, but she's not I feel like that's that's all sarcastic, though. It's all, uh, it's fake. You know, I think that's the intention. That's why Shay even sings it with with her. (laughs) (laughs) I find it funny. I think it's a joke song that is also developing plot. (laughs) I agree. I just think that the fact that it's about a, a historical figure makes it a little bit more, a little bit tougher to sit with. Which is fair, and I if this was a, get if that. this was a totally fictional character, I no problems. <laughs> I get that too, and uh, I think most of the thing with Ava and the reason why this is the framing 
is she probably did have sex with people before before marrying Juan Perón. Just well, like I, have, he I have no doubt that she did. <laughs> and if any woman has sex in this time period, oh, she's a slut, slept away to the top, what a bitch! Yes, but the thing is, this song confirms it. <laughs> what they're yes. trying to say is this song is like, that was actually the truth. She did do that. It wasn't just something people said. <laughs> One always picks the easy fight. One praises fools, one smothers light. Um, can we talk very, 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 very briefly about a song that I hate so much? Sure. Which one? Um, The Art of the Possible. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I fucking hate this song. I think the staging is ridiculous. Hal Prince requested the song be in here, and it just is the most droning, boring, and horribly staged thing in any version of it. I'm honestly trying to remember what this song is. (laughs) It's like, one always picks the easy fight. Is this the one where, like, you get that, like, Nazi imagery where the the backlighting and the soldiers march out? (laughs) Yeah, but in the original production, it was just basically musical chairs until the last chair comes up and it's Juan Perón. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible song. The staging is always terrible. Cut the fucking thing. There's really no point in it being there, because they tell the story in other places, too. Yes, but Hal Prince insisted on it. And this is another one of those times. Hal Prince is a genius, and I love him. He makes some really bad calls a lot of the time. Well, nobody's a genius about everything. Sometimes people just make the wrong decision. (laughs) I disagree. Jason Robert Brown is the savior of writing and is a genius. Okay, well, that one case excluded. Everybody else makes mistakes. It's been a while since we did it, Jason Robert Brown. We should do another one. <laughs> that savior of writing joke will never die. <laughs> I mean, he said it himself. He wrote it into his own show, so... Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm not talking of a hurried night A frantic tumble and a shy goodbye Creeping home before it gets too light That's not the reason that I surprisingly good for you please go on you enthrall me i can understand you perfectly and i like what i hear what i see and knowing me i would be good for you i'd be surprisingly good for you what do you think of that one i think it's decent it's a good like uh her trying to convince him to go out kind of thing or be together convince him that it's a good decision well basically it's saying you scratch my back i scratch your back yes basically i'm a fuck you and you're gonna give me power yeah so basically a continuation of good night and thank you <laughs> yes but this one's a little bit more powerful and becomes a little more a theme it's more serious them. too because it's between the two leads basically leads yeah um, it's a decent song I don't it's not like the main one I remember though I mean I think the big song is Don't Cry For Me Argentina and you know 
I like this better than Don't Cry From Me, Argentina. Really? I don't. But Why? I just feel like that one has more impact. I mean, I disagree. I think this one is the romance theme before between Ava and Juan, and is so effective, especially when it comes back later in Act 2. I like it. I just, it didn't sit, didn't stick with me as much. Hmm. I get that. But I love it to death, except when Michelle Pfeiffer sings it. Um, look that up, kids. It sounds like a cat died. So you do love it when Madonna sings it, then? I don't think she does a bad job. I think that's one of the rare songs in here that she really sells. Okay. Like, um, she's very good at the seduction part of Ava, at least in the adaptation process. Well, that's all um, she's really known for. <laughs> Well, speaking of songs that she's really known for. in three months' time and I'll be fine. I know. Well, maybe not that fine. But I'll survive anyhow. I won't recall the names and places of this sad occasion. But that's no consolation. Here and now. I want your opinion on Another Suitcase in Another Hall, both as a song and as a point in the story in the musical. Um. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I know this one. So this is this is one of the weirdest songs own, in the show. They cut this from the movie, didn't they? No, 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 no. no. I'm gonna... Okay, Another Suitcase in Another Hall. Tell me the context of how that happens in the musical, and I'll remind you how in it happens in the movie. the musical... Uh, after she gets together, Perone's other person she, he was going out with before His her, mistress, his former yes, mistress. Who looks very, very young in the version I watched, which was kind of off-putting. Um, she is very, very young in real life, apparently. Okay, so I guess that's true then. Um, but yeah, so um, basically Ava just kicks her out. <laughs> her exact words are, hello and goodbye, I just unemployed you. You can go back to school. Yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, and it's like, oof, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows the confidence that Ava has grown over the years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Then she she sings a song about leaving. I think, okay, I'm trying to remember. In the movie, uh, they change it to be after Good Night and Thank You or before Good Night and Thank You? Or? Before Good Night and Thank You. So Magaldi takes her to Buenos Aires. Then he goes back to his family. Then Madonna basically demanded she has all the big numbers. Yeah. So she took this from the mistress and sang it all by herself. There is and no it, mistress in the movie. No, there is. It's there. Really? I don't even remember it. They do it so fast, I guess. Yeah, it's very, very fast. She just sings a quick reprise. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's interesting that they... So Madonna basically forced them to give it to her. Yes. And they're like, where do we put it that it makes sense? And I guess we put it here? <laughs> and I don't want to talk about the movie too early, but I like that change. I think that's an effective change that shows an actual story progression for why she decides to sleep around. That makes her more sympathetic for sleeping around because she realizes that can get you places because I got here because of that. 
Yeah, and it's also kind of like this mistress character, you could pretty much just cut her entirely. And exactly. it doesn't really lose much, you know? Which is why it's so baffling that it's like that in the musical. Because otherwise, this is a pretty tight musical that we focus on, like, four characters. Yeah, and then they just kind of like, oh, here's another one. And then she actually gets, like, a big number. And... Yeah, it's really <laughs> fucking weird. I'm thinking maybe it's a technical reason, like someone needs to go do a change or something. Maybe. I I don't really... Who would, though? I mean, I guess Ava maybe would have to change? Well, this is right before... Uh... Um, Peron's latest flame in a new Argentina. Two really big numbers where a lot of shit happens. So that might be possible. They just need to kill some time, let them get changed, let the sets get made and put on. But I don't know. It's a really weird choice, and I still don't quite understand it. Yeah. Um. No, I agree. Um, All right. I kept my promise Don't keep your distance Have I said too much? There's nothing more I can think of to say to you But all you have to do Is look at me to know That every word is true. Well, we have to talk about Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Yeah, don't cry for me, kids of Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is just the famous number from this, and they do, like, parodies of it, and, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I don't like this song. I find it very boring, in fact. I think it's fine. I think it's interesting. I don't please please explain to me why you like this song. I think it's interesting as a like you know, this is what she this is kind of what she would say in her speeches to get people to really rally behind her. And I think that that's an interesting concept. Um, is it weird that this is not the song that ends act 1, but the song that starts act 2? Well, it's weird as a placement, I guess, because usually the Act 2 starter, as you always say, is like the, who cares about this song? I mean, it kind of is, though. What plot do we learn from this? I mean, we learn that she is now a figurehead and not just her. We kind of learned that at the end of A New Argentina and the end of Act 1. Yeah. Well, I guess you could just replace A New Argentina with this song, but maybe the lyrically it doesn't make as much sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It would it would be a fine act one closer, honestly, and it's the big it's a big number that people like. So, I'm I mean, even before the musical had come out, this was the hit song. Let's just frame it like that. Yeah, like before this was a musical, this was an album, and this was a huge hit song. Yeah, so why not put it as the closer and have it be like the? I guess maybe to force people to come back to hear it. So like nobody would leave during act the uh, during the mid show. Maybe it's like, hey, we didn't hear that one song. Yeah, we have to go back because we didn't hear the song we wanted to hear. 
But you've already gotten their money at that point. Who cares if they stay? <laughs> I'm. It's it's a strange propaganda song, and hmm, it's. I, I like that honestly because, in my opinion, the more interesting part of this is just how like fascists rise to power, and I would have just preferred a story kind of just about that. Um, and like why this person was worshipped that way and what what they said to get people to side with them is interesting. Okay, so this song had some original initial lyrics that are really weird and it feels very Tim Ricean. Um, my biggest, the reason why I think this, this specific piece works, it's not because the music as much as the lyrics. I think the lyrics are really good. Um, a little meandering, but really good. The original title of it, this song was it's only your lover lover returning what and all through my crazy and wild days those were the two original titles for this song that doesn't even it doesn't make sense and tim bryce recalled what a cross decision it was probably one of the only times honest that i had made a mistake of caring more about a lyrics potential outside the show than its port than its importance within it and as a result both song and show suffered until they eventually figured out Don't Cry For Me Argentina was perfect. Mm. Interesting. Um, while we're talking about this song, Roger Ebert always had an issue with the song. He says, For years I have wondered during Don't Cry For Me Argentina why we were not to cry. Now I understand. We need to cry because A, Ava got everything she dreamed of, and B, Argentina should cry for itself. Even poor Juan Perón should shed a tear or two. He is relegated to the status of a walker, presentable man who adorns the arm of which of a rich and powerful woman as his human fashion accessory. Do you agree with that? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure. The one thing I don't love about this song is that I don't really get the lyrics, to be honest. Um, it's... By his own admission, Tim Bryce says that the song's lyrics are a string of meaningless platitudes, who felt that, and he felt that it was a work of an emotionally intense but empty speech by a megalomaniacal woman trying to win the favor of Argentines. Yeah, and I guess I can get that. She's just, and, she's just not saying very much. She's just saying something that they want to hear. You know, like make America great again or build a wall. Just yeah. platitudes. Exactly. Or I'm with her. Or literally any political phrase, because politicians are Feel all the, the burn. fucking same. They're all the same. I hate. <laughs> Andrew, where's your pussy hat at? I'm wearing it. Are you not supporting Ava Perone? She's for the discomisados. She's a feminist. <laughs> sure, Jan. All right, let's actually, move on to high Actually, her Wikipedia, her Wikipedia page uh, specifically goes into her feminist uh, movement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she was let's for move... women's suffrage. Okay, I mean, come on, that's a real thing. Yeah, that is a real thing. <laughs> high flying adored, so young, instant queen, a rich, beautiful thing. Of all the talents cross between the fantasy of the bedroom and the saint. And you were just a backstreet girl, hustling and fighting, scratching and biting. I flying adored, 
did you believe in your wildest moments all this would be yours that you'd become the lady of the mall with the stars in your eyes when you crawled in that night let's move on to high flying adored high flying adored should we just talk about rainbow high but i want to talk about this very briefly fine go ahead I like this song because it describes a lot of young celebrities nowadays, and I don't think it's such, it's become an idiom in and of itself. Like, Sondheim is brilliant for coming up with idioms, but Tim Rice has made one, and I still use it to this day. And what is it? Basically, it's becoming too big, too fast, too young. You can say that about Justin Bieber, any young child star, Millie Bobby Brown, um, Finn Wolfhard. The 27 High Flyer flying adored like you don't care if they love you it's been done before you'll despair if they loathe you you'll be drained of all energy all the young of who've made it will agree it's such a good song and it doesn't belong quite i don't think that che would actually believe this i feel like this character would not think this well she isn't a character though i feel like in in the show she is not a character he is a mouthpiece mouthpiece for the for the people who are making the show yes and i get that but do you what do you think of the song uh it's it's fine i think the the two songs that follow it leave more of an impact rainbow high and rainbow tour which i get but this is this feels like it should be the opener to act two in my honest opinion well i mean it is we got four (laughs) songs above it though like, you have Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, on the Casa Rosada. Like, that speech that she gives, like, where she's like, not for all of you, but for all of us. That feels like the really scary ending of Act 1, where you want to come back and see what happens. Then you start Act 2, and it's like, high flying adored, so young, the instant queen. Like, that feels like a much more structurally sound version. It's so weird they start with Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. You know, Jess, if you want to direct a version of this, I'm sure you can, okay? Come on. No, they won't let me. Why not? Because I'd make it too political. Give her a MAGA hat. I don't think that would fit, to be honest. All right, let's go on to Rainbow High, which is my favorite song in this show. Rainbow High. I know you like it because they sing really high. It just sounds incredible. Like, I love listening to this song. It is such a fun thing to hear. Yeah, it's, it's pretty decent. And, and I think musically, I mean, I know you, you have said that it's very difficult to sing. And I, I guess I I guess I will believe you because I definitely can't sing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> And... I know it's weird to just say, it's high, so it's really hard, and it's impressive, but no, it also sounds good. Yeah. It's not like uh, them just singing really high notes, like something from like Phantom of the Opera or something like that. 
Or even Les Mis, like, I hate bringing him home because it's a bunch of really high hole notes and it's boring. What, you don't want to bring him home? Come on. No. Whereas this, it's like, really high energy, you're like, eyes, hair, face, image, dress, face, voice, smile. Like, it's like, oh, wow, everything, and she's like screaming at the top of her lungs. And probably it's not that important a song, but I love it anyways. Well, you gotta fill out Act 2 somehow. But it represents her materialistic, like, style. Like, she requests to be Christian dior as a verb. Eva and her blessed fun can make your dreams come true. Here's all you have to do, my friends. Write your name and your dream on a card or a pad or a ticket. Throw it high in the air and should our lady pick it. She will change your way of life for a week or even two. Name me anyone who cares as much as Ava To the poor, to the weak, to the destitute of all complexions. Now cynics claim a little of the cash has gone astray. But that's not the point, my friends. When the money keeps rolling out, you don't keep books. You can tell you've done well by the happy, grateful looks. Accountants only slow things down. Figures get in the way. Never been a lady loved as much as ever for part uh the money kept rolling in and out yes i like this song it's a lot of fun this is the one about her charity work right yes i think you're gonna have issues with it well just think they just imply that her charity work was a bad thing and it just there's really no backing for that other than just they assert that it happened she had a Swiss bank account where money from the charity would come out of, and then when they tried to do research on it, the bank shut down. I get it. Yes, I but, see the connection there. Yes, but I mean, just because she deletes her emails doesn't mean there's something bad going on. There was a <laughs> fucking investigation into that, and they found jack shit. Exactly, because so. the bank shut down. I mean, how are they going to find anything? <laughs> <laughs> I think the song is fun. And yeah, she did a lot of good for a lot of people, but also she stole money. Yeah. I guess uh <laughs> I guess it's fine. I don't know. My favorite part of this entire song is both like especially in the movie, but in every production where Che just goes yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Well Antonio Antonio Bandera saying it is just kind of the best. Yeah. Um, did you like... I thought you would like this show because they're talking directly to you the whole time. I do like that part of it, actually. I love that Shay is just straight up, like... He's always playing a different character and he's always looking at you. It's, like, the best. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of... Um, we'll talk about the movie. Uh, I was about to go get into fun facts about the movie. Let's talk about a waltz for Shay and Ava. Tell me before you get on to your bus, before joining the forgotten brigade. How can one person like me say, alter the time or not, way the game is played? Tell me before you get on to your high horse, just what do you expect me to do? 
I don't care what the bourgeoisie say. I'm not in business for them, but to give all my desk a missiles a magical moment or two. There is Yeah, this is this is when she's like gonna die soon. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's kind of they're both in their own fantasy world and they finally meet. It is the catharsis that we've all been stroked off for, and this is the orgasm where it's like, oh, they're meet, they're meeting each other. They met each other, and they both just Eva is like, Eva's like, yeah, well, you would do the same thing if you were me or whatever the heck. And well, that's not even that. It's like. Hey, I'm gonna try my best here, but it's not like I can flip a button and fix all the problems. Yeah, which is a good point. I mean, yeah, what is she gonna do exactly? <laughs> like, I'm only one person. I don't have any political power. I'm trying to like give these people a good day or two. That's all I can really do. Which is really an effective response. Yeah, and Shay's just like, well, it's not good enough. Which is also fair. <laughs> like, she... A line is, If I said I'd take on the world's greatest problems roar to the pollution, no hope of solution, even if I live for a hundred years, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And I mean, I think that is, uh, that is something that a lot of times when these, like, revolutionary types with, with Shay, I think, is supposed to represent, you know, like, they'll, they'll look at a political figure and be like, they haven't fixed everything! What the heck?! And it's like, well, you know, realistically, if you get into power, you're not going to fix everything either, so... <laughs> right, and it's like, that's why Shay kind of shuts the fuck up until she's dead. Yeah. He's like, you know what, you made a good point. They give Ava the final word, so to say. Yeah. He Which just... is why it's a little blurred of, like, what side are they really on? Well, I think the rest of the show speaks for itself as far as which side they're on, but yeah. <laughs> And I think it's a fine side to be on. It's Honestly, they're on the right side because the Perones were bad, but still. The Perones were bad people, but I'm not sure Ava specifically is a symptom of that. Yeah, I'm not really sure they're targeting the right person, I think, is part of the problem. Because Ava was more of a figurehead, whereas the other, the whole rest of the government was the one that was really doing all the bad shit. Yeah, but she's the one that's being worshipped. No one gives a fuck about Juan Perón. They love Evita, though. That's true. That's the big issue that they have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this on up and talk about the movie for a bit is Lament. The choice was yours and no one else's. You can cry for a body in despair Hang your head Because she's no longer there To shine, to dazzle, or betray How she lived How she shone but how soon the lights were gone. 
where basically she's on a deathbed dying, and she's just calling out to the children of Argentina that she is taken as her own kids because she didn't have children of her own. Is this... It is a stark, dark ending for this piece. Yeah, I mean, the whole show just ends with her dead, so I mean... <laughs> But the thing is, are we supposed to be happy that she's dead? I don't understand what I'm supposed to feel. At least in the movie, I kind of understand what I'm supposed to feel at the end of that. Um, I mean, I think it's up to you. This is like the one part of the show that they actually let it be up to you whether or not you're upset or not that she's dead. How did you feel at the end of the show? Um, kind of neutral, I guess. I mean, I think she wasn't really the main problem so her dying doesn't fix anything but mm -hmm. you know she also wasn't really that bad of a person so it's like do I feel bad I guess maybe a little bit but like I don't know <laughs> like it describes the way of death in a way that kind of haunts me and honestly is a little accurate this is one of the times where Tim Rice's lyrics really stand out where it's like um, remember, I was very young yet then, and a year was forever and a day, so what use could 50, 60, 70 be? I saw the lights and I was on my way. And how I lived and how they shone, but how soon the lights were gone. Like, that breaks my fucking heart. Because she was a young woman. Well, she was like, what, 33? 33, same age as Jesus. Extremely young. Yeah. Except she didn't have to get nailed to a piece of wood, so I guess she won out. She didn't have to get run yeah. out of the country and hide away like her husband did after he remarried. Oh, you can't do that. Not after that. <laughs> I want there to, You know how Andrew Lloyd Webber made a sequel to Phantom of the Opera? Yeah. I wanted to make a sequel to this musical all about where in the world is Ava Perone's body? I think they could make a sequel just about the husband. Just call it Perone. Like, oh, she upstaged me on oh, every chance she got. What a bitch. What a bitch. Yeah, and then he gets run out of the country because everyone loves her so much and he remarries and it's like, oops. <laughs> I think that if I can have the biggest critique about this, I feel like they let Perone off the hook too much in this musical. Yeah, he was like the really bad guy. Like, he's like the actual, like, Hitler-esque figure in this situation and, and he just he's, a piece he's like of a shit he's like a side character who like nobody nobody ever criticizes him why is Shay not saying anything about him really like he says some stuff but not much not enough because Aveda Evita was the figurehead and Perone never got power again because the only source of power we later discovered was the connection to Evita yeah and I guess Art. that that really proves that she really was a saint the whole time Exactly. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> it won't be easy. You'll think it's strange when I try to explain how I feel that I still need your love after all that I've done. You won't believe me. All you will see is a girl you once knew although she's dressed up to the nines at sixes and sevens with you it was pretty good 
Yeah, the movie is surprisingly good. Um, what did you think of Antonio Banderas in it? I like him a lot. I think he feels very authentic as a like an actual citizen because of his accent and everything. So I kind of like his diction is really hard to understand, though. Yeah, but I I kind of expect that from him. Like he's not a native English speaker, so. I think this was his first English-speaking role, too. I think he did a really good job, that everything considered, and I think he's he's he, he's playing a character that is supposed to represent, like, the modern, not modern, uh, the base Argentinian, you know? And I think he really fits that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does great. Um, I think he does I better really, than Madonna does. I mean, that's not saying much, but we'll talk about that later. I think that he really only gets to shine because he really does have vocal chops. He's been on Broadway. He's sung before. He is a talented performer. Oh, yeah. Like, let me not diminish that. But he really gets to shine during High Flying Adored. He's really good when he gets to hold out notes. He's not good at, like, the very fast patter songs that Mandy Patinkin was really good at in the original Broadway cast. So, like, oh, what a circus doesn't work as well as, say, High Flying Adored. And they give him a little bit at the end of the movie. Like, he gets to reprise Lament, and it's so fucking effective. And he gets the last kiss on Evita. And I'm really upset they haven't added that into the movie. Or into the musical after that. Yeah, I mean, they made a lot of good choices. And this is probably one of the better adaptations that we've watched on this show so far. Uh, yes, some of because... the better ones being like the Music Man and, and things like that that are usually older. Like the older ones, they usually do a better job with mm-hmm. um, stuff like, for, like this is from the 90s. And I would expect this to actually kind of suck. And it actually doesn't. So, well, <laughs> I think it's probably a little bit more of higher quality because Andrew Lloyd Webber finally let people change shit. Is this the first time he's done that? Because, I mean, he's gone back to not doing that, right? I mean, this is, I think this was the first film adaptation that wasn't Jesus Christ Superstar, and he hated Jesus Christ Superstar. Which is weird, because that's actually not that bad. <laughs> no, but he hated that that version of the film. And this one, he, this was the first time he worked with Tim Rice in 10 years. They wrote a new song for it, which I, I love and has now been brought into the musical, called You Must Love Me, which I think is really important for the storytelling. I think it's great. Yeah. I think just the fact that he was willing to let this be a film or he wasn't given the ungodly amount of control he was given in um, Phantom of the Opera or Cats yeah. <laughs> makes this so much better. And you can tell it's not like performed live or anything like that, I don't think. There's a couple scenes, and the scenes that are... Perf- That's how I believe live singing should be done. It should be done sparingly and effectively, and this musical does that. Madonna, the only thing that sucks is Madonna, you can tell there's a lot of effects on her voice in a lot of songs. Um, she can't sing She can't sing it. This role, she cannot perform it. Yeah, and I just, the thing with these is I just don't understand, maybe people really do only go to movies to see stars, but like, if you put a nobody in this role, I feel like it would have been a better movie, <laughs> you know? Or even put Patti Lapone from the original Broadway cast, who has made a name for herself since then. She could have killed this role. Yeah, I just don't understand why we need to be hiring, like, famous people to be in these musicals. Like, hire people that can sing and then advertise the fact that the songs are really well done. (laughs) I mean, well, even with Madonna, this wasn't, like, a huge success. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 
This was a time, though, when I don't think musicals were doing very well in the 90s, were they? No, they didn't come back until um, Chicago in, I believe, 2000. That I mean, was I can't... Re- I can't really blame people, though. I mean, in the 90s, what was popular? Rent? I mean, people are looking at musicals and they're like, ooh, yikes. That's what's popular? Okay, never mind. I'm not going to watch a musical. <laughs> but then again, what was the closest thing to musical theater on like, on a movie screen at that time? Rent? It was the Disney films. Yes. But Disney films have like three songs, usually. Like, you know... I don't know. After Howard Ashman was introduced to Disney in 1989 with The Little Mermaid, Disney films were more like musicals than even like modern musicals were. Eh, that's, I mean, some of them, yes. Other ones, not as much. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I think this film looks incredible. I think this is probably one of the most beautiful looking musical films, like, in all of musical theater. No, it looks very good. Um,. The performances are, are mostly very good. You don't think Madonna actually performed as an actress very well, is my I think, question. I think she performed just fine. I just think the singing was lackluster. Yeah, but other people auditioned who were worse, in my opinion. Michelle Pfeiffer auditioned, and her audition tape is on YouTube, and she is considerably worse. Like, I can understand why they would pick Madonna, like, because she is a big name. She is known for singing, so it's like it's not like she's like an actress who is known for being in some movie and like no idea if she can sing or not. You know, like she is known for being a pop star who can sing, so But she really stands out in the scenes when she's dying. Like she was known for being a diva. Like two movies before this, she was in a film with Neil Patrick Harris where she required her lighting team light her for every shot. And then in this one, yeah, I know. Yikes. Then in this one, she's willing to sing live, have no makeup on, and actually properly die in a way that is like ugly and mean and gross and sound bad. And I appreciate that. I'm not going to lie. That is so effective. I don't understand why actresses wouldn't want that, because that is like the biggest Oscar bait that is possible. Well, <laughs> she wanted that. She won the Golden Globe. Fun fact. She wasn't even nominated for the Oscar. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure she deserved it, but, like, if you want to win an Oscar, though, the best thing you can do is play somebody who's ugly, because they love that. <laughs> Look at Charlize Theron in Monster. In the Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's about all we have to say about the movie. Andrew, what is your overall thoughts on Advita and your cheese rating? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Well, I gotta look up a cheese, so cut this part out. Pretend no. this isn't happening. Okay, whatever. You can put it, keep it. I don't care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, as far as as it goes, uh, I think it's a very good show. And I know I, I tried to like, you know, give a little bit of a negative viewpoint, but I'm just doing that to kind of keep it interesting and keep our episode a little spicy. But in all reality, <laughs> it's a very good show, and it's a very good sound, uh, like a. Uh, very good score and in music and i would say for the most part the lyrics don't bother me that much and it's just very enjoyable uh i would have preferred a little bit of a less biased historical aspect but that's just me and honestly i think most people won't care at all about that so <laughs> uh yeah definitely if you haven't seen it it's fantastic and um let's see I'm going to give this a a sardo cheese, which is an Argentinian cheese. 
I think Evita is great. It's got some lackluster lyrics and, as you said, a little bit of a bias. But the songs are Andrew Lloyd Webber at his best. And really, it is a good album to listen to. I recommend the original 1980 Broadway cast with Patti Lapone and Mandy Patinkin. But also, the movie cast is pretty good. Um, if you can find the online bootleg of Carolyn Bowman and Josh Young, that is probably the best recording to yeah. find. But nope. I'm not promoting bootlegs. Yeah, I would never do we that. can't promote that. And we really wouldn't want to tell you where to get it. So we're definitely not going to say this link right now. <laughs> <laughs> we aren't. So my cheese rating is Reggitanio. Oh, no. Reggianito, which is. A- <laughs> you can't even pronounce it. It's Reggianito, which is um, made from unpastured and unpastured cow's milk, and it is from Argentina. It is of the Parmesan family. Its texture is crummy, flaky, and grainy, just like this show. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but you know what is not crummy, flaky, and grainy? Um, our patrons our wonderful patrons <laughs> I love them all so much um, thank you guys for listening you guys are honestly incredible and we're glad that you guys keep coming back each week I'm sorry to assume your gender guys, gals, and non-binaries we love uh, you all guys is uh, is a gender neutral term I'm just saying fuck you alright thank you for listening please follow us on iTunes Spotify Stitcher at Musicals with Cheese our Twitter is Cheesy Musicals our Patreon is Musicals with Cheese our Instagram is Musicals with Cheese our YouTube page is Musicals with Cheese our email is MusicalTheaterLives at gmail.com um Andrew is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this on up um thank you to all of our patrons we really appreciate you and uh also thank you to Jillian Casco for being the best Fuck! You're right! I forgot to say anything about Jolene Casco, who is the best around. Nothing's ever, ever going to bring her down. (laughs) All right, let's call this a day. This has been all for Musicals with Cheese. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.